able to come here and share with you what God has put on our hearts. Um, it's always an honor when God uh, allows us to be a part of what he's doing, you know. And just you women coming here faithfully every month says, God, I want you to touch my marriage. I need you, you know. The title of my message is Evaluate Yourself. So it looks like we're, both of us are on, look at us, let's look at us. And I looked up the definition of evaluate, and it says to determine the value, the worth, or the significance. How do you value yourself? What are you worth, and what is your significance? So I'm going to give you guys some scriptures, and I'm going to put, give you what God put on my heart. Um, in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21, I'm going to just paraphrase it, and it says, Oh, you know what? Let's turn there. Let's go ahead and do it. I'm here already. And I'm going to read those verses. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, which moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So God is telling us not to, not to uh, put things, we're not looking for treasures here on earth. We have to live here, but that should not be our main goal. And, and even in our marriage, with our home and our children, we have to ask ourselves, where is our treasure? That's where your heart is going to be. God is speaking us spiritual things here. He's not speaking of physical things. And in a marriage, yes, there's a lot of physical. And we've heard so many teachings on what the husband desires and what the wife desires. But we are spiritual beings. And that's what we're called to do. We are to seek the spiritual things. Proverbs 14.1 states, The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands the foolish woman tears it down. And I know our desire is to be that wise woman, woman, but we have to be careful because sometimes we can say things, we can do things, and we are literally tearing our very house down. So we have to be very careful. Now I'm going to be reading a lot of scripture because I know it's the word of God that changes our lives and it's the word of God that's going to stick with us and that's going to help us. So let's, we're already in Matthew, I'm going to read chapter 7 verses uh, 24 through 27. And it says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came down, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Both of these houses went through the same storms. See, a lot of times we think once we get saved, once we get married, everything's gonna be beautiful. But we live in a world that is full of sin and destruction. And that same storm is going to beat on your house. 
whether you're built on that rock or whether you're built on that sand, whether you're saved or you're not saved, that same storm is going to come and beat on your house. Both of these houses went through the storms of life, and we're going to also. But based on what that house's foundation was built on is what made the difference. So we've got to look at what is our foundation? What are we building on? Are we making sure that we have a firm foundation? The first house's foundations, it says it was built on the rock. We know Jesus is the rock. He's the rock. He's the word of God. He is the word of God. So are you building your marriage on, a word of, on the word of God? Are you taking with the word of God and putting it into practice? Are you believing what God says? Are we praying? Are we walking by faith? Are we trusting God? The second house, it was built on sand. Sand is not solid. Go walk on the beach, your feet sink in it. And if you get in the water, guess what? It goes even deeper. And it's hard to even, when that water comes in and out, when that storm hits, you're going to get all shaky. You're going to be off balance. But that house looks good. The house is built on the beach. I used to work in the, near the ocean. So every day I would go, have to go through the McClure Tunnel in Santa Monica, and the beach would just be so beautiful. But I would watch the hills begin to fall during the winter. And there was this one house, this guy, you could see him, was way up on the top of the hill, but his house was on the very edge. And as the winters went by, because I worked there like 17 years, he could come down at first and walk down the side of his, little by little, it was all the way to the frame of his house, because little by little, that side started corroding. Now, I'm sure when he bought that house, he thought it was the most beautiful view ever, but he didn't think about what his foundation was on. He didn't think about it. So the house was beautiful. Everything looked great. And I remember seeing it right up. I said, pretty soon they're going to condemn that house, and this man is not going to be able to live there anymore. That second house is not solid. It's all material things. I'm sure it looked good. It had the best of the world, and the end was disastrous. It said it was disastrous. So what are our foundations? What are you building on? Galatians 6, 9, ladies, tells us not to grow weary or become discouraged in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap if you do not give up. And it gets hard. Everything the world has to offer is against everything the Bible tells us. Like Sister Lorena just said, to forgive. But you don't know what has been done to me. You don't know how many times I've had to take this. You don't understand. Your husband's not like mine. And I wish my husband was like hers. No, you haven't gone home with her. You have no idea what that lady's been going through. You have no idea what she's had to face. And the grass always looks greener on the other side. Do not grow weary. Don't become discouraged. Because God, that's God's promise. He says you will reap if you don't give in. Don't give in to what it looks like everybody else is doing. Every marriage has its storms. 
and even some are disastrous. And I'm sure we have some disasters in here. I've been hit by some disasters. January 5th, 2013, I'll never forget that morning. I was at a marriage class. I came to the marriage class and I kept getting a missed call from my son and I go, he knows I'm here. I better step outside. Something's wrong with dad, mom. He's not acting like himself. And I left. He had a stroke. He was completely paralyzed. And everybody knows Pastor Reggie do anything. And now he can't even lift his head. But he didn't even know he had a stroke. I didn't know at first. But that literally changed my whole world. It, it, and I, like I said, there are many of stories, and most of us know each other. We've been through some storms. But God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he promised you here, he's going to still give it to us here. No matter how hard that storm hits, no matter how disastrous your life may seem, remember, we're talking spiritual things. And things take place in the spiritual before we see the physical. So a lot of times we grow weary. But look at us. That's what I thank God for, fellowship. My husband wouldn't have made it through if it weren't for every one of your prayers, everyone's prayers, and not just here, our fellowship. People will probably never meet. We're praying. It's how we respond when these come, things come that matter. Where are we going to our foundation? Our foundation has to be on the rock. It has to be on the word of God. It has to be on his promises. But God, you told me. And I rem I've said that many a times, and I know a lot of you, and I know you have too. God, you said this. This is what I'm holding on to. John 16, which is probably one of my very favorite scriptures because I hold on to it for dear life, and it's Jesus speaking. He said, I have told you these things so that in me, Jesus, you may have peace, perfect peace. Because in this world, you're going to have tribulation and disaster. You're going to go through it. You're going to go through things. He says, but be courageous because I've overcome it. I've overcome this world. See, the first thing the devil wants to do is get us to think, why is this happening to me? What did I do, God? What did I do to deserve it? Well, you chose to serve God. That's what you did. You made a choice. One of the greatest gifts we have is to choose. And we get to choose every day. What are we going to do with this life that he's given us? And especially when it doesn't go the way we thought it was going to go. Especially when it doesn't go that way. What are we going to do with these choices that he's given us? And he, God, Jesus makes it very clear, and it's clear all through the Bible. We're going to go through things. See, a lot of times we get this picture of once we get saved, we're going to float on clouds. But, and look, we have great encounters with God. Don't take that we can walk in that peace, which is amazing, even though everything around us is falling apart. The whole house is coming apart, the kids, the husband, even you. There are times I have just felt like, God, even this morning I woke up, I said, God, I can't do this. What am I going to say? And then he just let me have my way for a little while. And then he starts 
saying exactly what he wanted me to say. Because that's how he wants to see will we step out anyway. And that's the amazing part. It's one of the, the, one of the greatest things I learned with God. Because believe it or not, I was a very timid and shy person. Never wanted to get up in front of, talk, in front of anybody. The first outreach we went on, my husband took me. And I told him I'll go, but they better not ask me to do anything. And you better not ask me either. And he didn't even know what to expect because I remember him going, just shut up, just shut up. I don't even know what's going on here. I don't know. But it amazes me because what I learned is even in my fear, even in my scaredness, if I will look at him and if he says I could do it and at least try, you'd be surprised what he'll do in your life. You will be surprised. I always tell him, God, I like what you think about me better than what I think about me. I'm going to read you another story in 1 Peter chapter 5. You guys are getting some of my favorites. And I'm going to start reading in verse 6. It says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Sometimes it takes a lot of humility to go through things that wise, especially Christian wise. I don't know how the world does it. When my husband was in the hospital, I, I couldn't imagine not being saved and going through what I went through. Or, or I, don't, I don't know how they get through it. And thank God I don't have to do that. You know, it says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares on him. And I like that next part because it says, because he cares for you. See, we need to remind ourselves, God cares for me. He sees what you're doing. He sees your labor. He sees it. Verse 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like I like that because he's not like a roaring lion. We know who the real lion of Judah is, but he just pretends to be. And if he can convince us God doesn't love you, why do you think you're going through that? Why do you think your husband's acting like that? Why do you think your kids are acting like that? Why do you think you feel like that? But it's all feelings and it's all look like. Remember, it's the physical, not the spiritual. Seeking whom he may devour resist him just that quick god says resist him steadfast in faith knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood that's what's a blessing about fellowship this is the brotherhood every woman in here has a story and everyone in our church and all our other churches that's why fellowship is so important because we're not the only one. The devil wants to separate us. He wants us to think we're all by ourselves going through this. No, we're not. We all go through it. Verse 10, but may the God of all grace who called us to eternal glory by Christ, after you have suffered, he didn't say, you're not going to go through it. But after you've suffered a while, this is what the God, God is going to do. I like this part too because he says he's going to come and after we've suffered a while, he's going to perfect, he's going to establish, he's going to strengthen and settle you. It's going to be settled. There's that firm foundation again. It's settled. He said so. What you going to do about that, devil? He said so. 
and we keep going. I may not look like that. And see, the devil tries says, you're just a hypocrite. No, you're not. And God got me over that one because I go, but God, it's not real. He goes, but it's real in your heart because you believe it. See, if we just pretend, yes, we're a hypocrite. But if you believe it in your heart that God is going to do what he said he's going to do and you walk in that, it's going to be done. It's going to be done. You know, so many people in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it talks about that's supposed to be the faith chapter. There are so many people that walked and never saw the completed promise. But they never gave up. But they got it because they're in heaven, man. They are rejoicing. But you know who got that promise? Their children and their children's children and the generations. And who knows which ones we're connected to. And that's why we're here. And that sometimes it has to be, if nothing for us, I'm doing this for my children. I'm doing this for my grandchildren. And we have to believe that. We have to understand that in Isaiah, I'm going to go to Isaiah chapter 55. I'm watching my time because I do want to call you women up for prayer. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8. I'm going to start with verses 8. And this is God speaking because a lot of times we don't, we get mixed up in what God, how the word of God works and what the world says because everything is just grace. And look, God's grace is amazing. I remember when my son passed away and they called me up at the church I was in and they said they had a word for me and I thought, oh man, God's going to tell me, I love you and I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to, and you know what the word was? God said his grace is sufficient for you. I left there mad. First of all, I didn't understand how powerful that was. And I was going, that's all I get? Your grace is sufficient? Man, I'm falling apart. I don't know what to do with my life. But over the years, I realized that was the most powerful thing God could have told me. We're saved by grace. It's a free gift. His grace was sufficient. Basically, he was saying, I will get you through the rest of your life if you keep your eyes on me, if you trust in me, if you hold on to every word I give you and put it into practice. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways mine, says the Lord. Thank God he doesn't think the way we do, huh? For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the things for which I sent. And that's what we hold on to. God's word is going to do what he said it's going to do. And if we take that word and put it in everyone that we love's name on there and grab it, man, I can't get enough of it. Yep, he needs that, and I need that, and she needs this, and we need this, our church needs this take that word and apply it. God said, and he's not a liar, it's going to do what he wanted it to do. It's going to do what he wanted it to do. I used to walk around saying that God's ways aren't your ways, Chris. God's thoughts aren't your ways. They're way higher. So stop thinking like that. Stop thinking like that. And I'd literally take captive every thought. I'd play it all out. I'd take that captive. No, not receiving that. 
I'm not receiving it. Proverbs 12, 4 says, that's my, my timer. Proverbs 12, 4 says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. And that's what you are, women. Whether he ever acknowledges it or not, he probably wouldn't be where he's at today if it weren't for your prayers, if it wasn't for your consistency, if it wasn't for you pushing in. And sometimes they don't see it right away. Remember, we're looking at the spiritual compared to the physical. And unless they're operating in the spiritual, they don't see it. Just give me my food. Give me what I need. That bar of soap, that sister, <laughs> which is funny. I'm like, go get it out the closet. It's right over there. <laughs> Come on, you waited months to say I forgot to give you soap? <laughs> but it's that technical. And that's the way the enemy works. He can give, he can get in our mind and get us to believe something, but we are spiritual beings and we have to operate in that spirit. Remember what our foundation is on. Remember what we're building our house on, what we're building our marriage on, what we're building and each other. Encourage each other while it's still today. And pray for that man because God put you together for a reason. I want to close with this and then uh, the power of a praying wife. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. I think I bought that book back in 1994, 95, 96. Stormy or Martin, I think is her name. And uh, I think I might have read that book a good 10 times. Every time I'm going through something, I will pull that. It's all marked up. I think the cover's off the back. But I was reading her forward, and I want to share this with you. This is what her husband said. It says, there's a joke in our household when I refer to the number of years Stormy and I have been married. I always say it's been 25 wonderful years for me and 25 miserable years for her. After 25 years of marriage to Stormy, there aren't any phases of my complex personality left for her to discover. She has seen me triumph, fail, struggle, be fearful and depressed, and doubt my competence as a husband, father, and a musician. She has seen me angry at God because he wouldn't jump when I asked him to. She has witnessed miracles as God redeemed something from ashes to gold. Every step of the way has been accomplished by her prayers, and this book was written from her experience over the years. I cannot imagine what my life would be without her praying for me. It gives me comfort and security and also fulfills the mission the Lord has for us to pray for each other and bear one another's burdens. I can think of no better way to truly love your husband than by lifting him up in prayer on a consistent basis. It is a priceless gift that helps him experience God's blessings and grace. Stormy, I love you. You're covered in prayer, husband, Michael. And I read that and I go, most of us may never hear this, <laughs> but here's a man that realized it and got it, okay? And God sees it. He's your first husband and he sees what you're doing and he sees when you humble yourself and he sees the things that you take. 
But he also sees that man. And he knows that that man wouldn't be where he was if it wasn't for a praying wife behind him. And so let's continue. Don't give up. Don't grow weary. And if you feel that way, man, get on your knees. Get a hold of someone. We're all here. Like I said, we, and I, there are times I haven't had to say personal things. Just pray for me. There's some of you in here, you know, I've texted you, hey, pray. I need prayer right now. There's times I pray. I'm in the classroom, and I'd say, God, put me on someone's heart that's sitting home right now that is looking for something to do. And I've had people come and tell me, God, put you on my heart today. Because he'll hear you, and he'll answer you. Amen. That's all I have. I am going to right now. I want to praise God. Thank you, Jesus.